the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. With the bye week behind us, it's time to resume our regular review preview episodes. Neil Langland gets the week off, so I'm joined for this podcast by Brad Geiger. We will start with a quick recap of the 40-23 loss to Arizona, before moving on to our tips for the CU game against the Cal Bears. Cal is 3-2 on the season and is coming off a 28-9 loss to Washington State. The Bears have been inconsistent this fall with a dominating performance on offense against Arizona before falling flat against the Cougars. So, can the Buffs rally and post a victory against arguably the easiest opponent left on the schedule? Will Colorado and its weary fan base get an interim coach bump like other Power 5 schools who have fired their coaches so far this fall? A surprising 6-3 overall record, including two wins over ranked teams. Will the Buffs show improvement, or at least some creativity, on both sides of the ball, coming into the game against Cal with the 129th ranked scoring offense and the 130th ranked scoring defense? Or will the Buff Nation be left searching for moral victories for the rest of the season? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back with Brad. I'm going to regale people with my brilliance. Geiger from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. How is Brad doing? Brad is good. I uh, just returned from a week in Hawaii. So as you can tell, I am tan and rested. I don't know if I'm ready for some of this, but let's proceed to pace. Okay. I'm returning from a bi-week weekend in Portland with kids and grandkids. So they were nice enough to, the boss would give it. Giving us a week off, but they didn't give us a week off because they fired their coach and made us do another podcast. So we're back to our normal review preview podcast. We'll touch a little bit on the, uh, well, nothing's going to happen for two months coaching search at the University of Colorado, but we can talk about it a little bit as it will be something that will spice our conversations over the next seven games as the Buffs play out the string under interim head coach Mike Sanford. Let's take a short detour because, as we were discussing off air, many people have perhaps not forgiven, but at least forgotten the Arizona game. But since this is a review preview, we will rehash some parts of the Arizona game. 43 to 20, Arizona defeats Carl Durrell, sending him packing. 
his first loss in three tries against Arizona. He was undefeated against Arizona, including a win in Tucson. Uh, the Buffs made Arizona quarterback Jaden Delora look like Matt Leinert. We threw for six touchdown passes. I think there were two USC quarterbacks that passed for six touchdown passes against the Buffs in the John Embry era. Uh, was passed by Jared Goff, who had seven touchdown passes against the Buffs for Cal in the infamous 59-56 game a couple of years ago. But uh, Jaden Delora looked like uh, you know quite the all-star with six touchdowns, 484 yards passing against the uh, Colorado defense, which was ranked seventh in the nation in passing yards allowed up until that game. Now down in the 50s because of giving up 484 yards in one game. 673 yards of total offense from the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, any any thoughts you'd like to uh, to share, Brad, about the game that you didn't have to watch? <laughs> well, I guess bigger picture rather than focusing on the moments of the game, Arizona's a better team than they were last year, than they were the year before. It is possible in the Pac-12 to be a terrible team and get better. Now, in some worlds, that would be hope for CU. Perhaps it should be, but it clearly also means it is frustrating to, I mean, we've essentially been only better than Arizona. And they figured it out. And it's quite clear that CU has to do something similar to figure it out, including many of the things we've talked about before on getting better players. We were, once again, out-talented. And that's just going to be what's happening with this team. Yeah. Well, on the, I won't say bright side, but the less dark uh, side of things. And if somebody saw this in the game notes from Dave Platty, let me know, because I didn't see it, that C was actually led in passing, rushing, and receiving by three true freshmen. That's got to be close to a rarity, if not the very first time that's ever happened. But Owen McCowan went 14 for 30, 186 yards and a touchdown. Anthony Hankerson, who was supposed to be doing a blue shirt year, led the bus in rushing with 68 yards and 12 carries and a touchdown. And Jordan Tyson, another true freshman, led the bus with 42 receiving yards. Now, 340 yards of total offense was second only to 341, I think they had against TCU, and the uh, 20 points was a season high. So uh, three touchdowns, Brad. Is this the uh, the rise part three? No, but it is an improvement. <laughs> you know, we McCown is a better quarterback than JT Shroud. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And so that makes it look a little bit better. It's not good, but it is better. Um, and were we playing an FBS team sometime coming up, might give us hope. But, you know, it's not what's going to happen to us. This It just gets harder from here. I suspect we'll score a few more points in the next few games, but it's Difficult to see how it's going to be. This is going to become a good offense. Yeah. Score more points, but still not enough points. What was Herm Edwards? You know, you play the game, 
you know, that's who play to win the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of important yeah. not to win the stats, but to uh, <laughs> actually win the game. So uh, we'll talk about the upcoming game against Cal before we quickly move past the Arizona loss, which left C with an 0 5 record. Was it a blessing in disguise coming up with the bye week? We all were speculating that if CU lost Arizona, that CU Athletic Director Rick George would have no choice but to fire Carl Durrell. If CU had won that game, would Carl Durrell still be the coach, you think? Or because it was a bye week and the way the first four games had gone, that the trajectory was such that there's no way that Carl Durrell was going to be coaching against the Cal Bears uh, for parents weekend. It would have taken an extraordinary improvement in the team to save Carl Durrell's job. I don't know that beating Arizona close would have done it. I don't think it should have. It would have required, you know, steps from the offense and the defense that were so unlikely as to be nearly impossible. So, no, I think the timing about the firing had a lot more to do with the bye than it had to do with the results of the Arizona game, especially given the non-vote of confidence, vote of confidence that had been given the week before. <laughs> yes, yes, a non-denial denial kind of thing. <laughs> yes. So with a bye week, the Buffs 0-5 will play against the Cal Bears noon Pac-12 networks, the home of the Buffs. They might as well just put a comma after that and just leave it there because that's where she's going to be, except for the Fox game on a Friday night against USC. Hide the yeah, women everybody children. will be tuning in to see CU. Yeah, that uh, that's I hope they put it at like 11 p.m. Eastern's kickoff or something like that. Yeah. So few people will know about it and fewer people will watch. But uh, otherwise, it'll be on the Pac-12 networks. It'll be a nice sunny day in beautiful Boulder at noon. And I saw in the article that uh, the camera had that they're actually expecting almost full capacity for the game for Parents Weekend. Now, those are yeah. tickets sold. Whether or not that many people will show up is remains to be seen. But once again, CU will have a much better crowd than undefeated and highly ranked UCLA. Well, I mean, the, one, there is some credit for the students. They still show up. And remember, it's counted by how many people have their selves in the seats for a little while. You know, we don't count the crowd at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> you know? Well, they we cut count the, the alcohol crowd. sales, so it, you know, that's might as well go home anyway. Yeah. Right. So I, I suspect that, yes, I suspect for opening kickoff in the first part of the first quarter, there will be a good a decent crowd. UCLA might be surprised by it. I'm being unused to playing in front of actual human beings, but I think that uh, will not last as long as I might hope. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the Cal Bears. Let's do our, our tips for the upcoming game. And once again, if you are new to the See with the Game podcast, well, first of all, welcome. And where have you been for the last two and a half years? But the T is for talent, I is intangibles, P is preparation, and S is for statistics. So in the talent portion, let's talk a little bit about the Cal Bears. They're three and two. They had two really diverse games. They also had a bye week. So they, if you want to compare apples to apples, they played Arizona two games ago. And the same team that CU lost to 43 to 20, Cal beat. 49 to 31. 
running up 599 yards of total offense, including 354 yards rushing. And of course, he was the last in the world ranked rushing defense. So that's mm -hmm. just that stat alone should scare Buff fans from uh, thinking about what might happen on on Saturday. Would you Would you concur? Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be. It could be extraordinarily ugly. Uh, Jaden Knott uh, has had a couple just go off games. Kind of guy that makes you miss. Um, and takes advantage of holes now. CU is, of course, well-known for exhibiting holes, particularly in the front line. So, again, absent some incredible increase in play by – or improvement in play by the front seven, I think we will see a very balanced attack from Cal because they can both throw and run against us. Um, if we keep this team under 500 yards, that will be perhaps a – moral victory a, a start in the right direction well the aforementioned Jay Knott had 19 carries for 274 yards and three touchdowns against Arizona uh pleasant 14.4 yards per carry average now the same team played against Washington State and lost 28 to 9 and had 31 yards rushing so we think that the Jade Knot that played against Arizona is going to be the Jade Knot that Colorado fans are going to see, not the Jade Knot that uh, Bears fans saw against Washington State. Fair. I think that's the most likely result. I mean, given how we, you know, how poorly we've done against the run this year. Unfortunately, if we do stand up and stop the run, they they'll throw over the top of it because Jack Plummer can play the game. I mean, yeah. Last week, they got stopped early. They got behind, particularly in the second half. And he threw the ball well, not great. He does not, that's not confuse him with a great passer, but he is more than sufficient, especially given our off our defense that has yet to uh, threaten a passer. Yes. Well, I'll leave. We'll get off of Jay Knott here at the end. I just want one more stat on him that he has four touchdowns rushing in the last two games which is as many rushing touchdowns as Colorado has all season. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you mentioned Jack Plummer, not related to Jake the Snake Plummer, but is related to Will Plummer, who started seven games for Arizona last year. Uh, Jack Plummer came to Cal from Purdue. He had kind of mixed results at Purdue before getting replaced, completing 62.8% of his passes. 1,248 yards, eight touchdowns, and only two interceptions. The receiving core, Jeremiah Hunter is one guy you want to look out for, 27 catches, 414 yards, and two touchdowns. And J. Michael Sturdivant, 23 catches for 296 yards and two more scores. Again, for comparison purposes, Daniel Arias leads the buff with 16 catches for 237 yards and one touchdown, the only buff that actually has double digits in pass receptions. So Jack Plummer, fair to Midland, but someone that we could make look good, like Jaden Delora was fair to Midland for Washington State. We made him look like an all-pro for Arizona. So Jack Plummer's licking his chops, or do you think that there's or Cal is just going to be content to 
run Jaden Ott until everybody gets tired? Well, I suspect our defense will be set up to stop Jaden Ott. And it will be up to Jack Plummer at least somewhat early on to try to stop that. Again, we have no idea if setting up to stop a player is something that CU is capable of doing. Um, they are yet unable to do so. But the, the hope will be that it's in the hands of Jack Plummer and not Jaden Nunn. Yeah. Yeah, if we can actually force Jack Plummer to throw the ball, fingers crossed that he won't go for 484 yards like Delora did. But overall, I mean, Cal's offense is not particularly daunting to a, a decent FBF, FBS defense. You got me almost saying, F, you know, go, doing it backwards. 73rd nationally in total offense, 93rd nationally in scoring offense, only 25.8 points per game. And I put only in air quotes for our listeners, 25.8. That is a dream scenario for the University of Colorado offense, but it's only good for 93rd in the nation in scoring offense for the Cal Bears. So the offense is not super great. The defense is not super great. They're 76th in the country, giving up 387 yards per game. Uh, they are better against scoring. They're 44th, only giving up 22 points a game. So hard for the CU Buffs to uh, to score. Does that seem to be a – well, that's true against pretty much every team CU plays, but are we going to make the Cal defense look like the 85 Bears, or do you think that there's a chance that the Buffs could uh, – you know, get 387 yards like the rest of the country is getting against Cal. Uh, well, I guess I think 387 is would be an offensive explosion. Um, again, I think we can play better. Um, I think Cal is not the strongest team we'll face this year. They're about equivalent to Arizona, probably a little bit better. Um, they are certainly not in the class of UCLA or TCU, and probably not even Minnesota but they are good enough to slow down or to stop for a period of time our offense to the point that it's difficult to imagine the, the dream scenario of 24 points. Yeah. Well, got three touchdowns. All we need is one field goal. You know, get up to, well, if Cole Becker doesn't miss an extra point, we'll get up to 23. Um, well, let's talk about intangibles, which is probably the the biggest variable for this team after the firing of Carl Durrell, what is the mood of the team? You know, are they done even though over well, seven games, the majority over half the games are still left to be played or are they going to rebound like other teams have done? Mike Sanford seems to be saying the right things. I think, you know, one quote from the camera was right. He won the bye week, which is good. But the easiest week of the year to win, though, it's the easiest. Well, <laughs> except for if and fans, if you aren't uh, fans of uh, SEC shorts, YouTube videos, Google it. SEC shorts. Watch the one from last week where uh, Colorado was prominently featured being in the basement where Georgia did not want to go after struggling against Missouri and the Buffalo caricature you know said that we were 7.5 point underdogs to bye week yeah so and probably rightfully so so 
what you've seen in the papers, what we've seen from CUBuffs.com, as far as what Sanford's saying, his interim coordinators are saying, what the players are saying, they seem to be enthused, having fun, getting back to basics. What uh, What is your take as to what we've seen from uh, the CU Buffs and the bye week as they lead up to their first game week under Mike Sanford? I will give Sanford credit in that he knew that a complete and total change of attitude was absolutely necessary. And I don't know if this is his real personality or if this is what he's putting on, but after, you know, Carl Durrell, who appeared to have a Xanax addiction <laughs> um, and engaged in, you know, a level of secrecy that was absolutely ridiculous uh, given you know, I, who the know, who knows what we were hiding in our offensive game plan. I appreciate that Stanford went out there and he opened up practice and he talked to people and he showed enthusiasm and he talked to the players. He did to the extent that it's possible to do the right thing with this circumstance. He did the right thing. If he, you know, one can hope that he fired up the players as much as he fired up the press, but at least he got some more attention. If he'd come in here as, you know, a walking zombie, it'd look even worse. So whether that will have an impact on the players, who knows? Certainly the last couple of games, the players did not seem all that interested. Well, and the Audible podcast with Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman um, from The Athletic, they were talking about the open CU job and talking about, well, you know, what are you looking You know, you've met lots of assistant coaches. You know, coaches at Group of Five, you know, they want to be Power Five. You know, is there a kind of like, what do you see, you know, can you tell? Because you have all these coaches meetings, you meet with them, you, you know, interact with them. And they say, well, there's some people that you meet with along the way that you just like, okay, you know, this guy's going to be a head coach. I said, Urban Meyer back in was at Utah. It's like, you know, this guy's going to be something special. They talked about drawing a blank, the Penn State coach now, who was at Vanderbilt. Um, wow. Sorry, folks, but uh, just drew a blank there on the Penn State head coach. Anyway, they were talking about something. And Chip Kelly, they mentioned. Even James got, Franklin. Yeah, Franklin, James Franklin at Penn State. Who was um, always one of those guys that people talked about from years before. Right. This is and the Chip, guy who's got it. He's Eventually, yeah. he's going to make a major program work. And then they got to Carl Durrell and said, you know, he just didn't get that. Not that no. he wasn't smart. Not that he wasn't nice. Not that he didn't understand the game. You just didn't get that vibe that he's a good X's and O's guy. He's a good coordinator kind of guy behind the scenes, making the team better. But he just wasn't, you know, head coach material. He just wasn't, uh, didn't have that presence, didn't have that aura. And you have Mike Sanford, like you say, just, bouncing around, making it look like, at least from outside the fence, like they're having fun again and playing football because they're having fun playing football. I mean, here's the thing. And I, those of us who are old enough require or may recall a concept called the Peter Principle that says people are promoted one step above their level of actual competence. Carl Durrell is a good assistant coach. Wherever you put him, he's going to be a he's going to contribute to your team. He's going to contribute to your staff. He's going to do what you tell him to do, and he's going to know how to do it. Um, and he's going to be loyal doing it. 
that is not how you head coach in the NCAA FCS anymore, FBS anymore. You don't do it in the FBS either. Um, <laughs> so maybe Stanford is that guy. He's certainly gotten his chance and hasn't made the most of it. Right. So some level of skepticism is not just necessary, but well justified. Yeah, you can talk about the fact that Carl Durrell was never on that list. Sanford ne- never was either. Right. No, I'm <laughs> no, I'm not lobbying for Mike Sanford for, no. pres- for the next CU head coach. It's just, I guess the question is whether or not CU will get the the, for lack of better terminology, the interim coach bump that the other schools, Power Five schools that have fired their coaches have been getting. Let me go through the list here. Since they got rid of Scott Frost, Nebraska is two and one and is currently, and you just know how this is playing in Lincoln right now, tied for first place in the Big Ten West. Now, of course, their two victories were over Indiana and Rutgers, but still, you know, they're two and one since they got rid of Scott Frost. Arizona mm-hmm. State is one and two since firing Herm Edwards, but all three games were against ranked teams. You know, they played USC and uh, Utah, but then they went ahead and beat number 21 ranked Washington last week pretty handily, 45-28. Georgia Tech, which was down there in the bottom 10 with Colorado, is 2-0 and since firing Jeff Collins, including a 26-21 over 24th ranked Pitt. And then Wisconsin won its first game since firing Paul Christ, which was a 42-7 thumping of Northwestern. So... The four other Power Five schools that have fired their coaches so far this year in the post-firing world are six and three, with two wins over ranked teams. So, is Colorado due a interim coach bump against the Cal Bears? If we're going to have such a bump, Cal is a good team to have it against. Right? They're at best mediocre. We're you know Oregon's not coming in this week or USC. We've got a bye week to prepare. Cal does too, but they don't know what kind of offense or defense we're going to run. I'm not going to pick CU to win, but if they were going to win a game, this would be it. Yeah, it seems to me. Well, that's a good segue into preparation. You mentioned both teams had a bye week. Looking at Cal's schedule, they're three and two, one and one, and they've got a game. You know, they're the big game against Stanford coming up in November. So if I'm a Cal fan, I'm looking at, okay, Colorado's number four, Stanford's number five. We got to find six. Well, the rest of their schedule is Washington, Oregon, at USC, at Oregon State, and UCLA. So there's got to be a, a, you know, there's three wins already in the bank, counting on CU and Stanford, trying to figure out how to find the sixth one. They might stumble into one of those, but it looks like, you know, it's going to be pretty daunting the rest of the way. So fair to say that the Cal Bears are already counting this one as win number four? Yeah, I suspect that's part of the issue. Although I, as I am wont to do, strolled through a couple of the uh, um, Cal message boards, which, you know, every message board you have to sort (laughs) a great deal. Um, They're not thrilled with their coach. Yeah. Um, there is a, there is a big subset of what happens if we lose to CU, who was our next coach. So the fans have not yet jumped upon a Cal bandwagon. 
Now, what the team's thinking, and of course, locker rooms should be places of delusion. I don't know. Uh, there is a chance that they'll be looking ahead of ahead to us. Their coach is not great, but I don't think I don't think he's dumb enough to let this team come in here unprepared. Yeah. Yeah, some even have Justin Wilcox as a potential candidate to come to see you. Now, you want to talk about going from the frying pan into the fire, saying, well, <laughs> he can't get institutional support at Cal, so he's going to go to Boulder? Yeah, no, not, not so much. Well, like you mentioned, there's going to be a, a fair-sized crowd, and considering what Arizona State did to Washington, you can't look at the Arizona State game in a couple of weeks as the the last best chance, it probably will be the last best chance at a victory if Colorado doesn't beat Cal. The only thing that would keep CU from a, an 0-12 record in the first winless season since the 19th century Jeez. for the CU program. So if the Buffs can't get motivated for this game, you don't, don't know if there's going to be motivation <laughs> the rest of the, the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, who is this coaching staff going to be looking past? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. We can't they be accused their of looking past. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're getting their resumes together, and a win here helps them in every possible way. Yeah. This These guys are focused on the next practice, not the next game. Yeah. Yeah, these guys could come out with an onside kick to start the game. You have a couple of double reverses. I mean, you want to talk about a program that has literally nothing to lose because it's already lost. And yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. Before I run through some stats, do you have any uh, any stats that stood out to you, or do you have a chance to take a look at anything on either side of the NCAA ledger that stood out to you? I think the stat that bought, that interests me the most was about the the variance between the the last two games is that Cal couldn't run the ball really early against Washington State and then stopped trying. And, yeah, they threw for a lot and were close going into the second half. But it seemed really interesting to me that as much success as they had had on the ground against Arizona, that if you look at it, they just didn't even try in the second half. So I think that indicates a coaching staff that is not quite sure who they are. Okay. Well, let me give you some numbers real quick because these are numbers you don't want to hear ever for any program. On offense, Colorado's best major statistic is rushing, and that's 108th nationally. Worst is scoring at 129th. Again, that's out of 131 teams. Defense-wise, of course, the rushing stats, 131st, and probably will finish the season there. Down to 53rd, as mentioned earlier, the Buffs were seventh in the nation before giving up 484 yards to Jaden Delora, and now they're down to 53rd. So you can drop like a stone pretty quick if you're the University of Colorado in stats. Scoring defense, 130. So scoring offense, 129 out of 121 teams. Scoring defense, 130th. That ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of good God awful. Yeah. Um, and the rushing defense, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep running this in my written tips every Wednesday until they give me reason not to. Not only is CU 131st in the nation, but 
130th in the nation, the team that's second to last in the nation is giving up 40 yards a game less rushing. So when you're talking about 131 teams and, you know, the difference between 53rd and 56 might be two or three yards a game, to be 40 yards behind the next worst rushing defense. Now, Charlotte happens to be the team, and they've already played an extra game. They haven't had the bye week yet. They've given up 1,520 yards. Colorado would have to give up 48 yards or less against the Bears to match Charlotte's total. So – if you, you can get really great odds on betting CU giving up only 48 <laughs> yards rushing against Cal and climbing out of 100, and that would be to get to 130th in the nation. That's not talking about getting to 100th or getting anywhere that, I mean, any Power 5 school would ever want to be ranked. That's just to get to second to last in the nation. A uh, couple of stats I think people can look out for if you're hoping against hope that the buffs are going to be competitive. One problem you have to look at is turnovers. Cal has two turnovers for the season. Two interceptions, no fumbles. Third in the nation in turnovers, the fewest turnovers given. Colorado's third down conversion defense. Okay, you know, turn down the volume in case you have small children uh, that might be listening with you on this podcast. CU's giving up 57.4% of third down attempts. 35 out of 61 have been converted. Dead last in the country, in case you're wondering. Again, give you the 130th comparison. Bowling Green is giving up 51.6%, and that's 130th in the country. So we're six percentage points behind the 130th ranked team in the country. So... If CU has four turnovers against Cal and is stopping them on third down, then you know take a picture because people are going to want to know if you were actually there for the event um, because <laughs> it would be very odd and very strange to uh, to see that. If you want a bright side stat, I'll give you this against Arizona. CU did have its first first quarter touchdown of the year and only scored a field goal in the first four games in the first quarter and scored its first points period in the third quarter had been shut out in the third quarter in the first four games, got their, got a touchdown against Arizona. So the buffs are on the board in the first and third quarters, which of course that's when the coaching kind of kicks in. I would imagine that first quarter game preparation, halftime adjustments, being outscored 51 to nothing in the first four games in the third quarter pretty much tells you what you need to know about the the Carl Durrell era coming to a screeching halt mm-hmm. after the Arizona game. You would think that a team that looked as unprepared at the start would at least make some changes at the half. <laughs> How do you get wedded to a game plan that clearly doesn't work? We don't know. Again, if it came out that Carl Durrell you know, suffered from bipolar disorder and was on his depressive stage the entire year, would any of us be shocked? It, yeah, it just, who knows? And like you said, if 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 this team is down 20 nothing in at the half, if they don't come out and, you know, run a double reverse or, you know, a flea flicker or whatever, they don't care about their jobs or their next jobs or the jobs after that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's definitely going to stay with them. But yeah, it, if you want any, yeah, the one stat that would be, I mean, well, 45 different stats that would, you know, be a reason for the end of the Carl Driller. But the idea that the Buffs had scored zero points before the Arizona game in the third quarter, you know, what are they talking about at halftime? Are they watching other games, you know, check up on scores, checking their bets? I don't know, but they, there was no adjustments being made. And we saw that in the very first game, you know, it was what, seven to seven to six or seven to three, seven to six at halftime in the TCU game. And TCU's only touchdown was a punt return. Mm -hmm. You know, only points was on a punt return. The defense was playing well. And then 31, well, it was 31 unanswered points before the Buffs got a consolation touchdown after everybody had left around midnight. That was a pretty clear sign that the adjustments were not being made by the Colorado coaches and were being made by the the opposition. Well, I mean, we'll always remember the first drive TCU came out and had been unable to effectively move the ball. And suddenly we're running the ball at whim, you know, left, right, up the middle. Clearly that coaching staff, which is proven to have a pretty good football team, went in and went, oh, look, there are holes. Yeah. They're, and they're going to stop the pass. Their young secondary is going to be protected. So they're yeah. going to sacrifice the run to stop the pass. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should run the ball. Yeah. And, and at some point, somebody on the defensive side should have said, oh, maybe we should change that. Nope. So, yeah, that, that is an interesting stat. If it remains the stat for the rest of the season, we'll know exactly what we think we know about this coaching staff. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been a week since we discussed the firing of Carl Durrell. I've got a CU coaching search headline banner at the CU at the Game website. I think I counted the other day we're up to like three dozen different names have been mentioned by various national publications. Not talking about Irvin Meyer, Nick Saban deciding to uh, descend on Boulder to part the Red Sea and make CU good again. Any Interesting names or weird names that have stood out to you so far in the CU coaching search? First of all, if you're out there thinking Eric Bieniemy and, and Troy Calhoun, shut up. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me stop here. Well, then don't read, don't listen to the Audible podcast with Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman because that's all they talked about pretty much was Troy Calhoun and Eric Bieniemy. Proceed. That did no. <laughs> It's not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. You know, I continue to, I'm not, you know, up on all of the interesting assistant coaches. I would love for Blake Anderson to come here. I think he'll get a better option. I don't think Alex Enrich is going to leave USC. But I think there are some interesting either lower level head coaches or, you know, I don't know about the guy out of Georgia. I'm always fascinated to see, SEC coordinators name for our name for CU because it's <laughs> it's an unusual experience and an unusual change. So, you know, those names will keep coming up and I think they'll be interesting. It will always de- will depend on how many other vacancies there are. The good news this week is Matt Rule got justifiably fired at Carolina. And if he wants to coach again, he's getting a buyout of millions of dollars. He goes to first or second on the list for whatever football job is out there. 
So, you know, that's good news. There's one more coach that we have no shot at who will take a job ahead of us. Right. Well, as we stand, it's only at five power five schools, but that's certain to increase. And see right now is the fifth best job on the list. And if there's 16 openings, then Colorado would probably be in the 14th, 15th or 16th place on that list, unless something happens to change people's minds about how CU is approaching college football. Um, but in the meantime, we have seven more games to play, including the game on Saturday against Cal. The Cal Bears are 14 point, I've seen 14.5 mm -hmm. point favorites against the Buffs. Probably the lowest line, sad to say, that we might see the rest of the year unless Arizona State has a meltdown the next couple of games and comes in at a smaller favorite, but probably as close as CU's going to be to being a favorite the rest of the year. So how do you see the two-touchdown game unfolding at noon on Saturday in Folsom Field? I think the lines makers are probably close. I think CU will keep this closer in the first half. I think they'll come out more energized. I think they'll play somewhat better, but I just don't see us hanging with them. As I said, if, if we are able to rechange and adjust and stop the run, if, 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 they can still beat us by the pass. And energy and enthusiasm take you only so far. This feels like a 31-17 kind of game where CU maybe is in it at halftime and then gets pulled away in the third and the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that was one other ugly stat. CU's only led for five minutes of the in this, you know, of game clock in the entire season. That was that's still yeah. true. And the opponent's time spent in the lead is up to 264 minutes, which is all you know, it's more than four four full games out of the five that the you know buff fans have watched their team trail. So it would be different to see uh see you be competitive. And I will have my written tips posted on the see with the game website on Wednesday morning. And next week, Neil Langland will be back out there having a life visiting with friends. I don't know how he could think that not talking about the Cal game was more important than having a life, but we'll give him a pass this week. And glad that Brad is back and didn't stay in Hawaii. I guess the, uh, the rainbow warriors are not uh, much of a, much of a pull either, but uh, thanks Brad. And we will, get the halfway mark of the season behind us and head into the second half next week. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. And you know, I mean that sincerely based upon the current state of Colorado football for the remainder of the season, we will be back weekly with our preview review episodes being posted on Tuesdays throughout the remainder of the season with my written tips, my written preview being posted on Wednesday mornings at the See with the Game website. Please subscribe to the podcast, and if you feel so inclined, give us a review. We need to get the Buff Nation aware of the See with the Game podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. And of course, you can always listen to the podcast at the See with the Game website. I'll be back next week with Neil and Brad as we review the Cal game and preview 
the Buffs' upcoming road game against Oregon State. So, until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.